This is Coffee with Cascade, a podcast by Oregonians for Oregonians on issues that matter. Hosted by Cascade Policy Institute. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Micah Perry, and I'm Program Assistant for External Affairs here at Cascade Policy Institute. And today I'm joined by Helen Dorn, another staff member at Cascade, and we're going to talk about some of the latest polls regarding school choice in the U.S., uh, which are really pretty exciting. Yeah, so there's a poll that came out in June of 2021 this year, uh, conducted by Real Clear Opinion. And this is really fascinating. When, and one of the reasons we really wanted to record this podcast is um, the results that came from this poll. Um, so they surveyed almost 2,000 voters across the United States, and they found that almost 75% of voters supported school choice. That is absolutely amazing. That is not a partisan issue. That is three out of every four voters supporting school choice. Um, And that's just a swing of 10% from even just a year ago. So we're gonna talk a little bit about what's changed in a year, why this is so significant and what we're seeing in Oregon when it comes to the school choice movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that real clear opinion poll was very surprising to me. I mean, 74% that just blew my mind. There was actually another school choice poll that came out uh, in June of 2021 as well by Echelon Insights. And it said that 65% of voters support schools choice, so uh, slightly lower, but it broke it down by political affiliation. And it found that 75% of Republicans, 60% of independent voters, and 61% of Democrats all support school choice. And in opposition, there's only about 20% of voters who are in adamant opposition to school choice. And then there's about 16% uh, of people who are unsure about the policy. So Helen, these polls uh, make it pretty clear that there's been a big upswing in support. What do you think is behind that? Honestly, I think it's been the last year of education that we've had in America with the pandemic. I mean, Parents have had a unique role in their kids' education, especially in the public schools, um, and they really got a front seat to their classes for the first time and maybe forever. You know, everyone, I've heard from so many parents who were talking about how their online classes were a joke, you know, and they were getting no support and they were basically homeschooling their kids, but without any financial support from the government and really nothing, uh, nothing to back them up and to provide an education for their kids, all while working full time. So, I mean, that's a huge amount of frustration. And uh, I think that a lot of the public schools slipped up a lot. um, And now people are rethinking their loyalty to their public school. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look, especially at it from the perspective of, of getting a return on investment, you know, Oregon just passed a $9.3 billion education budget this past legislative session that breaks down to just under $12,000 per student. And uh, the Oregon schools really aren't delivering on on what they promise with that money. Uh, We have the third worst graduation rate in the US and only a middle of the pack college preparedness level. And if you think you're gonna spend that much money, billions and billions of dollars that you'd be able to get some better results than that. I mean, $12,000 per student. I mean, that's crazy. That's, that means the government is, in Oregon is spending more per student than tuition for private school. 
I mean, that's absolutely crazy. And I think most parents would be shocked to hear that and, and wouldn't believe it, quite frankly, because, you know, is that the kind of education students in Oregon are getting? Absolutely not. Like you said, we have one of the worst graduation rates in the country. And that certainly has not gotten better since the pandemic. So yeah, this is a huge issue. And it's, I mean, education is one of the biggest issues in our country, right? I mean, it's, there's a reason it's so important. It's forming the next generation. So yeah, of course, people are going to feel very passionately about this. And if they're feeling like their public schools are failing them, they're going to want more options. Totally. And I think one more component maybe behind the upswing in support lately has been some of the debate over critical race theory and introducing that into the curriculum. Uh, you know, there's uh, people who feel, feel very strongly on both sides, and uh, many parents are, are just skeptical about what's being taught to their kids in school. I think from what I've heard from a lot of parents just, you know, in the past year, I, I think they really feel like they don't really have a say in what their kids are being taught. And I think that's the biggest issue at the root of the critical race theory debate when it comes to being taught in public schools is that parents are feeling like they're being pushed to the wayside and teachers get to do what teachers want to do. But the reality is, you know, they're funding this education. You know, we all are with our tax dollars. So we should have a say in what kind of education our kids are getting. And it really should be test oriented, right? It should be getting them prepared for college, for a job, for success, you know, being able to actually withstand you know, whatever challenges come at them in life, right? So, yeah, so I think that's a big part of it too. I've been hearing more and more about that from parents just really concerned about what the what curriculums are teaching in the public schools, especially here in Oregon. So I, I hands down think that's a reason for the upswing in school choice support. It's interesting to note this surge in support has uh, been accompanied by some legislative results throughout the U.S. So a lot of state legislators just wrapped up their sessions and and with that came some improvements in school choice across the U.S. You know, of course, Cascades an Oregon-based think tank, but it can be helpful for us to look around and, and see some solutions that other states are finding to problems and hopefully be inspired to push for the same changes in our own state as well. One that I saw that was pretty notable was in Arizona. Arizona's had an educational savings account or ESA program since 2011, uh, but they recently passed legislation to make it easier to access the program and reform it as well. Before we go on, I think maybe we should let, you know, explain maybe what an educational savings account is for those who don't know, because that's a really important term for school choice. So ESAs or educational savings accounts let parents take their kids out of schools where their specific needs aren't being met. It basically says there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to education. Uh, and the families get these public funds put into a restricted account, and that money can be put towards things like private school tuition, tutoring, online learning programs, and in some cases, even higher education expenses. ESAs are really cool, especially in this post-pandemic world where online learning has risen uh, a lot, and there's a lot of great specialty uh, online schools who know how to effectively teach and, and run curriculum online for students who learn better that way. But essentially, an ESA gives families a portion of what the state would spend on their child in the public school system, and it lets them have discretion over where that money is put. It's a little bit different from a voucher, and a voucher is essentially just uh, can only be used for money for private school tuition, whereas an ESA gives a lot more flexibility to the family and, and helps them find some better solutions to their needs. Totally. So, I mean, it 
can be used for things like homeschooling, you know, for textbooks or curriculums or online classes to help, you know, in the home, can be used for learning pods, which are something that's really just surged in popularity ever since the pandemic, all of those things. I mean, it really has an amazing amount of flexibility to it that a voucher doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. So like I said, Arizona's program, it has been around since 2011, and it's open to a wide variety of students, including those with special needs, children of parents of the uh, parents in the military, kids attending a D or F rated public school, and a handful of other qualifiers as well. And right now it serves about 11,000 students in the state. And uh, the changes that just got pushed through include reforming the amount of time that a student has to wait before becoming eligible for the program. Uh, so in the past, kids have had to attend a public school for 100 days and then apply for the ESA program to start the following public school year. And now with this new legislation, it slashes that waiting period from 100 days to just 45 days. So uh, essentially, if a student isn't learning or isn't in a constructive environment in the public school to which they've been assigned, it, it cuts down the time that they have to, to suffer and languish in that before switching to something that can better fit their needs. The new legislative changes in Arizona also made it so that low-income students will have no waiting period at all if they want to transfer from a D or F school, so a, a public school that's really failing them and getting them the education that they need. A few other things in the Arizona legislative reform include reforming how the Department of Education can administer the program. There's been a lot of administrative abuse in regards to certain aspects of the program, a lot of arbitrary decisions being made against parents, and it also expedited the application review process from 45 days to 30 days. And this means that families, when they apply to be a part of the ESA program, they have to wait for less time and, and will have more certainty about um, how they can direct their education money. Absolutely. It's amazing just to see what's going on in Arizona. And I think it's such a model for the rest of the country when it comes to school choice. Just more recently, really, in terms of starting an ESA program from the ground up, New Hampshire just passed legislation to start a program, um, and it's aimed at low and middle income households, and it's very similar. They can spend the money on private school tuition, textbooks, curriculums for homeschooled children, anything like that, anything that's really an expense for education. And it gives about $4,600 to the families, um, and that money comes from the state's education funding. And it's honestly surprising who's eligible in terms of receiving this. It's anyone with an income of un almost under $80,000 for a family of four, three times the federal poverty level. Wow. So it's absolutely amazing. I mean, it's opening up so many options for so many families. And I, I'm excited to track it and see where that goes, because I know that positive things are going to come out of that. Wow, that's really great. Were there any other notable school choice wins to take note of across the country? So another one I'm thinking of is Ohio, which just passed legislation to expand already existing school choice options in the state. Um, they've had a voucher program in place since 2006, and that lets kids at underperforming public schools use vouchers to help pay for private school if they're really not, really, really, really not succeeding in the public schools. And that's open to all students whose families are income qualified which means families who make up to 400% the federal poverty level. More recently, just this year, the legislature passed a bill that removed a cap on the voucher program, increased the monetary amount of vouchers, created an actual ESA program, um, and all of these things are going to you know, help exceedingly more families just to thrive and really choose the education they need. So again, 
we're excited to track it, see how it goes, and hopefully it will influence people in their, you know, opinion of school choice, seeing it in, in action. Mm -hmm. So yeah, obviously there's been some, some great strides throughout the U.S. with regards to school choice this year across the country. Let's talk about outlook for school choice in Oregon moving forward. You know, obviously these other states have been passing legislation. What's the outlook like for us here in the Northwest? Well, so there's, there are reasons to be optimistic. I mean, like we saw with those surveys, you know, I mean, there is a huge upswing in support for school choice. And we certainly see that in Oregon as well. But there's also some reasons to be concerned. First and foremost is probably just the teachers unions, which are very adamantly opposed to school choice. Portland Teachers Association and Oregon Education Association are well-funded and can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on elections and ballot measures influencing, you know, people's perception of education and where mm -hmm. the money goes. Um, Certainly, yeah. yeah. So that's very, a big difficulty. Very powerful force within the realm of education. And, you know, it's important to note with the unions, their responsibilities are to the teachers they represent. And school choice, uh, it will disrupt the education system in some way or another and make you know, their uh, jobs less stable at the very beginning. I think that's important to note, but uh, ultimately you have to look at what's best for the kids being served by the public school system. And I think that's where the breakdown occurs because I do think that teachers care about education, uh, but the unions at the end of the day have to look out for the teachers and, and their current jobs. Absolutely. I think it, it brings to mind just the school choice slogan, you know, fund students, not systems, you know, and that's exactly what a union is doing is, you know, advocating for the system. So, right. I mean, it makes sense, but, you know, we're here to, you know, show that there's, you know, there's a new future of education, you know, and it's one that will better support the students. So have there been any movements in Oregon uh, in the past to have school choice? Have there been ballot measures that have been attempted before or maybe anything in the legislature? So in 1990, there was a school choice ballot measure um, that failed only getting 32% of the vote. But other than that, we really haven't had any measures that have made it to the vote <laughs> and have been able to pass. I mean, we have worked very consistently here at Cascade advocating for school choice measures and establishing an ESA program in Oregon, but it's something that we've met a lot of resistance with. So we're still working on it, but uh, we firmly believe that there will be a future with school choice here in Oregon. Sure. Why do you think that the public in Oregon has been opposed to school choice? What are some of the concerns that are common? Honestly, I think it's the, the biggest concern or the biggest hang up is just the idea or the myth that school choice destroys the public school system. And their big concern with that is that they really don't wanna leave families, low-income families, minorities, et cetera, behind and, and feel like, okay, now these people have no option. And ironically, <laughs> that's exactly why we want to establish a school choice program is because, you know, low-income families, those who are supporting a kid with disabilities, things like that, they uh, don't have an, any other option besides the public school. And if the public school isn't fitting their needs, they literally have nowhere else to go. While people who do have the means within their income to change to a private school or homeschool uh, can. So actually a lot of people have school choice now and just that they are free to do that with their income. Um, so what we're trying to do is just enable anyone, no matter their income, to be able to choose the education they need. But that's really not what people hear all the time when they think of school choice. They think of it destroying the public school system and really hurting 
low income families. And that's absolutely not true. What we know from the data, just looking at places like Arizona, it does exactly the opposite. It, it allows them to thrive. And I'd actually point to the movie Miss Virginia for anyone who is confused about that concept. I love that movie. Um, and it totally explains that concept so well of just how these why, well, literally why school choice and these ESA programs are so important for low-income families who are not thriving in the public school system. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen that movie. I'll have to check it out. Sounds good. Absolutely recommend for anyone. It's just hands down a good movie and it's very well done, but it's so important. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real story, you know, and stories, we, you know, speak to us way more than data and facts. So I encourage anyone who's curious in education reform to look, watch it. Awesome. Yeah. I think another thing to go along with the hangups that you were discussing is there's been a big push for equity in, in the past couple of years, especially in Oregon. And, you know, looking at the opportunities available to those who are uh, at a lower income level. And, you know, in reality, I think how the public school system is set up now is inherently inequitable just because of the history of government redlining paired with schools being assigned by street address or zip code. That's really led to a lot of inequality in the education that kids receive. And I think that's compounded when public schools are funded in part by property taxes. So, you know, if you're living in a, in a rich neighborhood, your property taxes are going to be higher and better support the schools, whereas lower income neighborhoods are, are going to have more underfunded schools in that way. All right. So we've been kind of Debbie Downers about school choice happening in Oregon, but there really are some great reasons to be optimistic about the future for school choice here. You know, first and foremost is those polls we talked about. There's a huge surge in support, especially after COVID. Parents and families have become to realize that a one-size-fits-all education isn't what's best for everyone, uh, and they want some choice in how their kids are going to learn. Another great reason of why it will and can happen in Oregon is that the Oregon Constitution won't be able to stand in the way anymore. So Article 1, Section 5 of the Oregon Constitution reads, no money shall be drawn from the treasury for the benefit of any religious or theological institution, nor shall any money be appropriated for the payment of any religious services in either house of the legislative assembly, end quote. These sort of amendments, which can be found in many other state constitutions, are known as Blaine Amendments, and they prohibit any sort of state money going towards a religious institution. And um, these types of amendments have made it so that a school choice program would be unconstitutional if it allowed students to use their ESA or voucher money to go to a religiously affiliated school. And it would really restrict the choice of any ESA program that did get passed in that event. I think it's important to note here as well that the Blaine Amendments arose in the late 1800s and early 1900s in a wave of anti-Catholic and anti-immigrant sentiment. Just to be aware of that in the historical context that this provision really shouldn't even be in there. Uh, is also a good thing to, to keep in mind. But opponents of school choice have used these amendments often to strike down any sort of legislation that's been passed. Thankfully, though, in the summer of 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a Blaine Amendment as unconstitutional in Espinoza v. Mon uh, versus the Montana Department of Revenue. And the Montana amendment that was struck down is almost identical to the Oregon one. And so it really opened up a viable legal path towards an ESA program in Oregon for us, which is uh, just awesome. And then one last thing of note of why school choice can succeed here in Oregon is that Cascade Policy Institute is fighting for school choice in Oregon. You know, we're, we're doing our best. We're producing reports and 
printing publications to keep the public informed and legislators equipped, uh, which I think is, is a key part of any sort of legislative push to have school choice. You know, like we said with the one poll, 16% of voters are undecided on school choice. And I, I'm going to guess that that number is probably higher in Oregon. But, you know, that's exactly the audience we're trying to reach at Cascade. We're really trying to help these voters see that school choice can really deliver the best possible education to every child in Oregon. It is the equitable option. And with the amount of support it has nationally, I, I firmly believe it's the future of education here. So really our job is to just share the, share the success of school choice as we're seeing in other states, share stories, you know, and, and support parents who are really, really, really seeking an option other than the public school. And, you know, in the past year, we've heard from so many parents just struggling with the lack of an education their kids are getting and looking for anything, anywhere. So we take that role very seriously of being able to advocate for parents and be a voice for them, you know, in this movement of school choice so that they have a better future for their kids. And I think it's important to note to Cascade's record on the topic of school choice, we have gotten some change enacted here in Oregon uh, and have been successful in that way. Back in 1999, before uh, Helen and I were working here, obviously, <laughs> Cascade was a key contributor to the Oregon Charter School Task Force. And uh, what this task force did was produced the Oregon Charter Policy Handbook in early 1999. Um, And that report was published and distributed by Cascade, who lent a a pretty heavy helping hand there. And uh, Dr. Bill Connerly, uh, chairman of Cascade's board, was a member of that task force as well. The report that was published had a model charter bill to help lay the groundwork for what would become Senate Bill 100, which passed the legislature in that same year of 1999. And it legalized public charter schools in Oregon and, and expanded an avenue for school choice here. You know, that report was really key, I think. You know, it, it's hard to say looking back now, but I think it was probably really key providing research on why the change was needed, uh, impacts the bill would have, how it should be funded. Without resources like that, it's hard for legislators to know how to move forward on these issues. So Cascade is fighting for school choice statewide, and we're not waiting for a law to be passed to help students get the education they need. So we actually run the Children's Scholarship Fund in Oregon, and this allows Cascade to create school choice now for students. And through this program, we are able to give low-income students and their families scholarships to help their kids attend private schools that better fit their needs. And so we're really allowing them, you know, the the very concept of school choice, um, even though we're having to wait for the legislation to pass. You know, we're, we're so passionate about this. It's a huge part of what makes us cascade. Um, and we're super excited about the future. It's amazing to see these polls coming out saying that so many voters support school choice. So we're super excited to see that impact in Oregon. And we're working every day to make sure that voters know the reality of school choice and what it can do. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time to be a school choice advocate. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do, you know, moving forward. If you'd like to support school choice efforts more or learn more about the Children's Scholarship Fund, which we talked about here today, uh, you should head on over to cascadepolicy.org to learn how we have tons of great resources and articles on the issue of school choice. So if you want to educate yourself more, I would go check that out. I think that's all we have for today. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.